it actually felt good to see my partner um, like having fun with other people and having new experiences with other people and telling me about these experiences. And I appreciate this is not usual. You know, I think most people struggle with jealousy and insecurity a lot more um, in the beginning stages. But for me, you know, like I always had a lot of security that my partner loved me, wasn't going to leave me anytime soon. And so, you know, I was able to go into the, uh, this relationship with a lot of confidence. Dating can be a total minefield. Trust me, I'm a love coach. But it doesn't have to be. I'm Lucy Cavendish and I'm the later data. I'm single in my 50s. I've got kids and I'm busy, but I really want to go out and meet people and find out all about dating. But it's moved on since I was in my 20s and I'm keen to know what else is out there and what are other ways of doing things. From Aura Studios, this is Later Data, a podcast for the curious, exploring everything across the dating spectrum from online to up close and very personal. Today's episode is all about polyamory. What does it mean to love more than one person? And is that even possible for everyone? Do we all have the inclination or even the ability? I think it's pretty hard to love one person. And I'm not sure if polyamory, from my experience, is about love. I always think of it as about wanting to get sex in more than one place. But I'm probably wrong about that. So I'm really interested to find out what does polyamory really mean? And how do you become polyamorous? And how do you even know you're polyamorous? And is it all terribly confusing and exhausting? Or does it help us all with our boundaries? Who do we want to be with and who do we not want to be with? So I'm fascinated to find out more about it. Today, I'm talking to Lian Yao, who is founder of Polyphilia, a blog and peer advice service for people interested in polyamory. So let's discuss the definition first, Lian. What does polyamory mean? Polyamory is essentially the practice of having multiple romantic partners at the same time. But the crucial part is that everyone uh, knows about it and consents to it. Essentially, instead of having one romantic partner, you have the option to have multiple romantic partners if you so desire, and everyone enthusiastically agrees to it. Okay, so it's open and agreed, and there's sort of, everyone says, yes, I'm up for that. So the idea is that everyone knows what's going on. Is that the key thing to it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and it can take a lot of different forms. You know, it could be one person dating two people, or it could be three people or four people all dating each other, or it could be like a massive network, kind of similar to, you know, your friends with some people and not others and they're friends with other people and you have this massive web that stretches across god, god knows how, how much but um yeah it's similar to that except with romantic relationships okay so what do you mean by romantic i mean in the same way that most people mean romantic so like loving and committed and caring and you know with trust and communication and respect like you do in most relationships so i'm just wondering what's the difference between polyamory and ethical non-monogamy? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. So polyamory is generally defined as a subset of ethical non-monogamy. So ethical non-monogamy is just basically anything that is not monogamy, that is, you know, ethical. So, you know, not cheating, right? And so polyamory is uh, like one way in which like ethical non-monogamy can be expressed. So um, you might know about swinging, which is where couples go out and uh, have sexual relations with other couples or singles, or they go to parties, but those are strictly 
um, sexual and casual connections. That's the kind of crucial difference, right? And that typically swinging is done as a couple's activity rather than just, you know, a single person kind of going out and doing that kind of thing. You also have open relationships, which is kind of similar to swinging, except that there's much more kind of individual agency. So two members of a couple separately seek sexual connections. But again, you know, the emphasis is that there is still one romantic relationship only. They are, you know, romantically monogamous, but sexually non-monogamous. Um, so polyamory is the only type of ethical non-monogamy, which is total non-exclusivity romantically and sexually. This might sound like a really naive question, but I'm coming from a place of, of really wanting to know much more about polyamory and all sorts of different ways we have relationships. Does polyamory have to include sex or can you be emotionally polyamorous and it may include sex, it may not include sex? Because the, the primary focus of polyamory is, uh, you know, love, connection, like intimacy, the focus is on romance rather than sex. And so, yeah, absolutely. You know, you could be like emotionally polyamorous and have, you know, romantic connections with people without necessarily having sex with them. Now, not everyone is able to do that. You know, so for some people, love and sex are very closely entwined for them. For some people, like you need love to have sex. For some people, you need sex to have love, right? And so for some people you can compartmentalize and it doesn't really matter. You can have romantic relationships that are not sexual. And in fact, there are quite a lot of people in uh, who are asexual, you know, in the asexual community, for instance, where polyamory uh, is really good for them. Because, you know, if you have a partner who does have sexual needs and you're asexual and you don't want to have sex with your partner, but you love them very much, then a polyamorous relationship or some other form of non-monogamous relationship is really good because they can get their sexual needs met elsewhere. So how does someone find out or how did you find out, if you're willing to talk about it, that you were polyamorous? Is it something that you you knew for a long time or is it something you thought about? I mean, I'm wondering how people know that that's uh, the way they would like to conduct their emotional relationships and sexual relationships. Yeah, so I kind of came to polyamory specifically um, very slowly over time. I was in one monogamous relationship when I was 16, 17. You know, it was okay. You know, I didn't, I didn't particularly struggle with monogamy or anything like that. But then I do remember feeling at several points, you know, that the exclusivity part didn't matter that much to me and I could do away with it if it was wanted, but I just never discussed this with my partner at the time. It wasn't actually until later uh, when my partner actually cheated on me, but he, he, he was bisexual and I'd always known this about him. Um, and he cheated on me with a male classmate uh, in our year. And, you know, this was not known to me for about three months. And he finally came out with it and he confessed it to me. And obviously I was extremely upset, but I was more upset about the fact that you know, he'd hid it from me rather than he'd actually, you know, gone and done it. And I remember saying to him at the time, I said, like, you know, if this is if this was something that you'd wanted to explore, like all you needed to do was ask me. You know, if you'd asked me, I would have said, all right. And, you know, you could have explored this part of your sexuality without going behind my back. And he looked at me like I'd just grown a second head. Um, <laughs> and I think that was the moment when I was like, oh, not everyone thinks like this. This just makes sense to me. Um, <laughs> so it was a revelation. Like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. And so from that experience, right, obviously, you know, that was very upsetting and devastating for me. But uh, it made me realize that, you know, communicating, you know, honestly and being transparent about our desires in a relationship and, you know, being honest about in what ways, you know, our partners can't fulfill certain needs, right? Like, I'm not a man, right? Like, that is more important to me than being exclusive in a relationship. And so that was kind of, you know, a value that I found out, like, through that experience. And then from there, um, I started having open relationships, you know, in my second relationship, it kind of, again, was a logical decision. Uh, we were going long distance and 
it just made sense to open up the relationship because I was like, well, you're going off to university. I want you to have a really good time. Um, and, you know, there's so much that university life has to offer, you know, Freshers Week, like, you know, everyone talks about wanting to be single during Freshers Week so you can go out and party and uh, and do whatever. And I was like, I don't want you to hold you back from that. I think that sounds like a really beautiful experience. I don't want you to miss out on that. Um, so yeah, like go have fun. And this was, you know, 100% encouraged and supported by me. And so, yeah, you know, like, and that, that really worked well for me. It actually felt good to see my partner, um, like having fun with other people and having new experiences with other people and telling me about these experiences. And I appreciate this is not usual. You know, I think most people struggle with jealousy and insecurity a lot more um, in the beginning stages. But for me, you know, like I always had a lot of security that my partner loved me, wasn't gonna leave me anytime soon. And so, you know, I was able to go into the, uh, this relationship with a lot of confidence. But yeah, you know, that's definitely a lot of growing pains that other people like work through. And I don't want to create the impression that all polyamorous people like never get jealous because like my story is a very unique one and I am only one polyamorous person. Um, so there is a great diversity of experience for sure. Yes, because the model we have, or certainly of, of my generation is, you know, and this model is obviously changed now, thank goodness, but it's, you know, boy meets girl, you know, you fall in love, you get together, and, and that's kind of the end of it. Now, obviously, that's very different. So I think people might struggle with the idea of how can you love more than one person? I mean, I think it's just similar to how, you know, you can have more than one friend or you can have a, a like love like multiple pets or like multiple children. I think it's just, it seems bizarre to me that romantic love is the only one where you can only love one. And in so many media representations, right, you get the love triangle trope, like someone falls in love with, like has two potential love interests and they have to pick one. You know, you get the shows like The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, where like, you know, there's so many potential suitors and then you have to pick one. And the question is like, why? <laughs> um, because yeah. I, I do think that most people have the ability to love more than one person, you know, be affectionate with multiple people as we do with our, our friends or, or family or, you know, wh whoever else. Why limit that? Why, why limit romantic love? You know, falling in love is such a beautiful experience and it doesn't make sense to me that you should only experience that like once in your life or you should only experience it when you aren't already uh, kind of in a relationship with someone else. Yes, falling in love just gets you full of wonderful, you know, hormones and they've got a great big sort of rush and it's such an <laughs> exciting thing. Um, so I do get that. I'm really interested in that idea that that doesn't necessarily mean it's the end of your love relationship with the partner that you're with. What if you're single? Because I think you were saying you came to polyamory as a single person. So how does that work? So yeah, so like I said, you know, before, like I had, you know, had an experience with open relationships and that kind of thing. But for the most part, I came into polyamory. We were polyamorous from day one. So like there wasn't a period of monogamy and then kind of talking about like, oh, you know, let's let's, let's change something up. Let's do something different. All of my experience in non-monogamy and polyamory was basically just being open like fairly early on or like from the moment that we met each other. And so this is not a common experience. I think that most people come to polyamory when they're already in an existing relationship and then they have a chat about it and then they open up their relationship. But for me, I was very, very open with my current partner when we met three and a half years ago. I was like, I am polyamorous. I would like to have multiple kind of sexual slash romantic um, kind of connections at the same time. And this was actually fine with my partner because when we first met, 
I was seeing a lot, uh, like a, a couple of different people, and he was also seeing other people because at university, I think with with hookup culture and that kind of thing, people have like friends with benefits and kind of like casual hookups and that kind of thing, and so this was like very much accepted. You know, you're you're stressed with the academic work, you want to let off some steam. When we met, we were already in this environment where both of us were seeing other people. And so, you know, we started seeing each other and then over time we fell in love. And then we were like, okay, well, I would like to call you my boyfriend. I would like to be your girlfriend and nothing else has to change. We love each other. We're very committed to each other. You know, we want to be together long-term. We're building a future together. And, you know, like us seeing other people and, you know, meeting new people and having experience with people does not conflict with that. And so, yeah, now we live together. You know, we plan on having uh, kids together in the future. We don't plan on getting legally married, um, but then we do want to have a ceremony at some point. And yeah, it, it works really well for us. You know, um, there's definitely a lot of logistics around, you know, like living together that I can absolutely talk about if you're interested, but that's kind of how I came to it. Like I, I came to it as a single person. I was very honest about like what I wanted and, you know, what my desires were like from day one and, you know, people consented to that and got into relationships with me and things have just gone from there. I am interested in hearing how it actually practically works. I am very interested. Um, Can you tell me more about that? Yeah. So my partner and I live together and obviously we have certain agreements and like boundaries. So for instance, as much as my partner like celebrates and accepts um, and encourages me to go out with other people, there are certain things that he doesn't want to hear about or see right? So for example, you know, like he'd be fine with me uh, spending time with him and my other partner and us being at a party together or perhaps even going out for coffee together, you know, like our, our partners like know each other, right? Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, he wants to hear me having sex with someone else like while he's in the same flat, right? So like there are certain boundaries that he has and we make agreements like based on those. So what that means uh, when we live together, it means that if he's going to be spending the evening at home, and I want to go out on a date, then I can't bring that date home because then, you know, if we if we kind of do something, then like he might be at risk of overhearing and that would be uncomfortable for him. And so because I respect that boundary, what I usually do is, you know, I tell my date, hey, my house isn't available tonight. Let's go to your place instead. Or, you know, let's like not have sex tonight. Let's do it another time. Um, and sometimes, you know, my partner and I go out on separate dates on the same night. And then we'll have to uh, negotiate like via text, like who gets the flat essentially. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, yeah. So like, uh, so, you know, sometimes it, it really depends on like whether our dates places are available. You know, like if my dates place is available and his dates isn't, then it makes sense, right? Like, you know, he, he takes the flat, I go to my dates place, everything's fine. But I can tell you about one time this like went slightly tits up where essentially I was just going out to meet some friends. Like I wasn't going out on a date. I was just going out to see friends and he was going out on a date and I think like he had the intent of bringing that date home but because it was a first date he wasn't sure it was going to go in that direction and mm. essentially he did bring her home it was a good date you know he did bring her home but he forgot to inform me of this he didn't text me hey like I you know the date's going well and bring her home and so I went out with my friends and I was just like oh okay yeah like you know I've had, had a nice time bye guys and I came home and essentially like I walked into the house and then my partner shouted from the bedroom he was like um kind of kind of busy here uh just like my my date is it and i was just like oh my god this is so embarrassing um i'm gonna hide in the other room now um, you hid in the closet yeah <laughs> well i didn't hide in the closet i did i, I hid in the kitchen um and well it, it was embarrassing mostly because i knew it would be embarrassing for the third party like it wasn't awkward for me to kind of walk in on my partner having sex with someone else and it wasn't awkward for him you know like we're fairly we're fairly open about it but then i think because his date was kind of 
of new to the scenario, she completely just didn't know what to do. And so it was extremely mortifying for her um, to be like, oh my God, I've been caught for the by the girlfriend. And even though like the girlfriend in question was fine with it, I think she was just like, ah, and obviously it's embarrassing to be walked in on having sex, like obviously. Mm. So um, that's one That's one time the logistics didn't work out. But since then we have been extremely on top of it. But I'm j- I just kind of want to bring this up as an example of like how things can potentially, you know, create hilarious scenarios. Um, and so logistics and planning and scheduling essentially is like extremely important to to practicing um, like polyamory because like if you don't get that right if you don't get your calendar straight and you don't get you know your logistics straight um, things like that can happen <laughs> so my mind is wearing here so I've got about a million questions so mm-hmm. question number I'm not going to ask you a million but question number one <laughs> of course the date in question in this scenario did she know he was polyamorous I mean are you up front with your date so she's not in the bedroom going oh my goodness I'm you know this man's a cheater and now she's going to come in and Mm. attack me and throw my clothes out of the window (laughs) um no she knew yeah she knew I think it's one thing to intellectually know and another thing to like emotionally just get that gut reaction that knee-jerk reaction when you know the girlfriend comes home and you're like oh my god um so you know it's these are not things that we are taught right we're not given a script on how to react in those scenarios so i think uh even though like her brain knew that this was all permissible her body was like oh my god you know she's gonna get so mad at me and that didn't actually happen i was very gracious about it i was just like oh my god i'm so sorry for interrupting your date you know and i was to my partner i was like you should have texted me why didn't you text me if, if you texted me then i would have known to just kind of stay out with my friends and you know i would only come back when it was safe and so like this was all fine but yes to answer your question we are very open uh, with like the people we go out with that uh, we're polyamorous. So I have it in my dating app profiles. Um, it's usually like the first sentence, you know, like I have a partner, I've been polyamorous, I've been polyamorous for a long time. Don't plan on changing that anytime soon. And when people match with me, like I you know, confirm with them that they do know this before we progress any further. Because, you know, sometimes people don't read my bio and sometimes I've been on dates with people who like didn't read my profile and you know when I just brought up my boyfriend like in the middle of the story because he obviously um appears in a lot of my stories um then they're like wait what <laughs> like what you have a partner we- so they're a bit shocked yeah 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 so you know I I make sure to clear that with people before we go out on a date you know like that I'm in a relationship like if that's a problem for them then I, we're probably not compatible in that way and probably should it take things further um and uh, which is why I mostly use dating apps to date these days because it's just just much easier to have that you know in your, in your profile and to check that like before you commit to a date whereas like if you meet people like in the wild and you know you, you have to find the right moment to bring yeah, it in up. the wild yeah. <laughs> yeah on the street yeah exactly you know you're less likely to find people like yourself and you have to find the right moment to bring it up whereas like you know if you have a profile like people see that already and people can swipe left and you don't have to interact with them or have to you know like explain things so hang on a minute there's you're on a dating app you're happy in your relationship with your partner. So what when you're on the dating app, what do you say you're looking for? What is it that you're looking for? Because you've got this person. You're, I don't know if you're sexually active with him or not. And you don't have to tell me. But, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm wondering what you write in your profile that you're looking for 
given the fact it sounds like you've got some pretty good stuff going. Mm. Yeah, so I think this question is coming from like the misconception of what am I not getting from my partner that I want to get from other people. And of course, like, you know, there are definitely some couples in non-monogamy uh, or polyamory who practice polyamory because they want to get like a variety of experiences or, you know, they want to get different experiences from what they're getting from their partner. And that's great. You know, I think variety and novelty and experimentation is obviously excellent. But then, you know, sometimes you just want more of the same thing. I'm pretty much open to whatever, you know, like it's not like I'm looking for anything kind of specific that I'm not getting. You know, I'm just open to the diversity of opportunities and experiences that I can have. Um, What I will say, though, is that so I live with my partner and we plan on like children in the future, Um, although I am 23. So this is like way, way, way down the line. Um, But I don't really foresee myself uh, living with another partner or having children with more than one partner. And obviously, you know, I'm not getting married, but like if I were legally, you can only get married to one person. And so, you know, like one thing that I'm not looking for is to find like another partner to live with or another partner to kind of co-parent with and that kind of thing. But outside of that, you know, every everything else that you have in a relationship, you know, you go going on dates and having like deep conversations and learning more about each other and connecting deeply and trying new things and all that kind of stuff, like I'm up for all of that. And so, yeah, like I, I want to make clear that like while some people, you know, uh, get into these relationships to seek like unmet needs, whether like sexually or otherwise, you know, like maybe you want to you have an introverted partner and you want to go out with an extroverted partner or like you, you're dating a man and you also want to date a woman. Right. For me, you know, I just uh, like I'm just open to whatever, you know, like I'm very happy with my partner. There isn't really that much that like I feel that is lacking in our relationship but I just embrace like the abundance of connection and love and I want to give him the freedom to do the same thing because I think essentially when I love someone I want what's best for them and I want them to receive like everything that they could possibly want and desire and deserve even if it isn't from me Mm. and whether it's more of the same thing or like different things or a variety of things I feel quite selfless in that sense, you know, because I don't want to presume that like I can be like the one person to provide like all of these things that someone wants. Like I accept that I am one person. The experience that I provide like as a partner, like as a girlfriend, as a lover is unique to me. But then that doesn't mean that I can, you know, like I can supplement, you know, for like every other person in existence or that like, you know, there will never be someone else that my partner or lover will connect with. And so, yeah, I guess, you know, for me, it's uh, it's not so much about meeting unmet needs um, as it is for other people, but just more about like embracing abundance. Yeah. So potentially you've got a good relationship that stays solid, but what it means is people can go meet other people, enjoy their company without the jealousy coming. And I think that's, you tell me, because obviously people come to you and talk to you about it and ask your advice. Do you find that jealousy becomes a big issue or that one person says, actually, I'm interested in thinking about polyamory, but the other person finds it very difficult? Mm -hmm. What what do you find when people come to you for advice? Yeah. So, um, you know, jealousy can really make or break like a non-monogamous relationship. I think different people experience like different types and levels of jealousy. I think this depends on your upbringing, your your insecurities, you know, what's happened in previous relationships, you know, your traumas. And so it's very individual. Just because someone experiences quite a lot of jealousy, it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, they're not cut out for polyamory or that they can't practice it. Because 
you know, I think it's about what you find worth it, you know, what you find rewarding at the end of the day. Like there are lots of difficult things that we do in life that we still do because, you know, we want to achieve the outcome and we think that it is worth it. You know, like I think when there's a couple and they're trying out non-monogamy and uh, one experiences a lot more jealousy than the other, this can cause resentment, right? Because the person who is less jealous can be like, oh, you know, what, you're holding me back. You know, you're feeling so insecure. I have to look after you all the time. And, you know, like, why can't you just get on my level, right? And the the more jealous person could be like, you know, like feel quite resentful, you know, like, why, why don't you feel like I do? You know, like I'm really, really struggling here and you don't understand. And so that can cause a lot of conflict. Right. Yes. And so I think like the key thing is to be patient and compassionate with each other. You know, instead of going like, why don't you get on my level? The less jealous person has to be like, you know, like what what can I do to accommodate your insecurities? You know, what do you need to be reassured about or validated about in this relationship? You know, do you fear that I will abandon you? Do you fear that you're not special? Do you fear that you're not enough? Um, and if so, you know, like how can I express that to you in a way that will make you feel loved and heard? And on the other side, I think for the more jealous person, like I think I see sometimes like with the more jealous person, there is this temptation to make their partner understand and do things to make their partner like hurt the same way that they are hurting. You know, it's a very kind of vengeful, kind of spiteful mindset. Um, and sometimes you can, it can get into very toxic places. And so, you know, I think it's about moving away from that and understanding like, you know, or perhaps even, you know, in some cases, some people are like, do you even love me? You know, you, you're not jealous do you even care about me, you know, when I go out with other people? Because I think in monogamous relationships, the idea of like jealousy being a sign that your partner loves and cares for you is so like deeply entrenched mm. um, that like, you know, when you're dating someone and they genuinely encourage you to see other people that some people can actually get yeah. offended by that. I think if you loved mm. me. Yeah, if you loved me, then you, you know, you would be angry and pissed off that I was with other people. You would be possessive of me. Why are you not possessive of me? Do you not care if I go, right? So I think it's about deconstructing that, right? Because ultimately we don't want to hurt our partners. We, sh we shouldn't want to hurt our partners at the very least, right? We don't want them to feel bad and feel negative things. We don't want to hurt them. And so, you know, if you're coming from a vengeful mindset of like, I want you to hurt so then I know that you love me, that's not good. That's not a healthy mindset to have. Um, and so it's about kind of moving away from that and accepting this is something that you have to like, you know, look within yourself and work through. Perhaps there are some needs in your relationship that you're not getting met. Perhaps, you know, there are some insecurities that are coming up. Perhaps like uh, what's happening is reminding you of a previous trauma. Um, perhaps you have a fear of abandonment, you know, whatever. It could be a wide variety of things. I think instead of fearing jealousy as an emotion and trying to avoid it at all possible costs, um, I think use it as, as a learning opportunity to look inside yourself and go like, you know, what do I need? And, you know, how do I feel and why? Like, I won't lie, you know, practice, practicing polyamory and non-monogamy is challenging, but relationships are challenging. I think it's ultimately about like whether you feel um, the work is worth the reward. People have children, having children and, you know, parenting is objectively a difficult task. Oh, yeah. Right. But people do it because they feel it's worth it. <laughs> like, I'm not a parent, but from what I've heard, it seems pretty hard. <laughs> but people do it anyway. We do it anyway. Yeah. Madness. <laughs> There was a question that popped into my head. Yeah. I mean, I'm being a bit playful here and a bit naughty, but sometimes does your partner want to say to you or do you want to say to him, oh, just go away for the evening and find someone else. I'm kind of tired and I want to watch telly and you're being annoying. <laughs> um, so 
I think that this can definitely happen. I mean, sometimes, you know, if there's a show that I want to catch up on, then I'll be like, oh, like, you know, does, does is your other partner free this evening? <laughs> or like, I want to take a bubble bath and I'm just going to have like a me night. Um, so yeah, like, I think absolutely, you know, if you're someone who really enjoys your own space, if you're someone who likes to have kind of free time, perhaps if you're an introvert and, you know, you get like socially drained very easily, Polyamory might actually be a good fit because it means that like, if you have a very extroverted partner, then they're not gonna completely smother you. And like, they can kind of uh, spread their energy with other people, right? So, you know, it's it's kind of like, you can apply this so easily to friendships, you know? Like if you only have like one friend and you they take up all of your time and they absolutely smother you, then you might feel very overwhelmed. But then if they have other friends, then you can go and do other things, you know, like work on your own personal projects or like listen to a podcast or like, you know, do, do whatever. Um, so it's kind of the same thing and um, I won't lie you know sometimes you know when my partner goes out like I look forward to it because like I get an evening to myself and I can do whatever I want it's like living alone it's great <laughs> yes I mean it sounds like a good compromise so as a love coach people come to me and say I just want to meet the one and it's an interesting idea to explore with people that is that actually really what you want and what do you mean by that do you mean I want to meet the one and never meet anyone else the entire rest of my life or is it that actually you'd like something more like polyamory? Um, do people come to you and ask you about that? Like, how do they get into polyamory? How do they know if they're polyamorous? I think when people kind of come to me for advice, they've probably already at that point deconstructed like the idea of the one. Personally, I don't believe in the idea of the one. I don't think that it exists and I don't think that it's even useful to society to believe in the idea of the one. Like, I think that it can actually be quite destructive to believe that there's one person who's out there for you. Um, you have a soulmate or whatever. And then, you know, once you found them, then you never let them go because there won't be anyone else. Like, I think that if you believe in that, you know, great if you do find someone who's very compatible with you and you stay together forever and ever, that's excellent. But what if you don't? What if you fall in love with someone who you believe is the one and the relationship ends up turning sour, but because you are holding on to this idea of the one, you stay in a relationship that you probably would have left some time ago had you not believed in that and found, you know, someone who was more compatible with you or who made you feel loved and cared for and respected in a way that this person did not. Like, I think that ultimately the idea of the one makes people stay in relationships for longer than they should. For some people, like they want to preserve the relationship at all costs. And that's fair enough. But for me, like I would rather you preserve like the happiness of the people at, you know, in the relationship, because if the relationship isn't serving the people, then what are you doing keeping it around? You know, would would it not be better to leave that relationship and for both of you to find happiness elsewhere? I guess that's the thing. Like, I think perhaps whereas like monogamy is more focused on preserving the relationship and maintaining the longevity and duration of the relationship at whatever cost, in polyamory, there's more of a focus on, you know, like, is the relationship serving us? Is it serving me? Is it serving you? I care about your happiness. You know, are you happiest with me? And, you know, if I love you, then I want you to be the happiest that you could be. And that might not be with me. Mm. The model of the functioning quality relationship is I put your happiness and your well-being at the center of my life. Yeah. And I think that normally people see that as being a one-to-one -one relationship. But what you're saying is actually that may be, it may be possible for someone to say, well, actually that might include me meeting and having romantic and sexual experiences or relationships with other people. 
Do you put boundaries around that? You've said you and your partner have boundaries around your space. Do you have boundaries around your emotions? For the most part, no, because I think that we express our love and affection for different people in very different ways. You know, like I think everyone is a unique individual. And so like the relationship that is constructed from that is special. And so there's so far, you know, in the three and a half years we've been together, there haven't been conflicts around that. You know, for the most part, like I love that my partner can see other people, you know, like I really enjoy the fact that he has these new experiences and can come and tell me about it. And I think that sometimes the things that we learn from our other relationships influence and enhance like our existing relationship. You know, for example, you know, if I go out and I meet someone and say, uh, they're really good at dancing, right? For example, I, I'm not very good at dancing. I've never danced before. And they take me to a class, they teach me how to dance. And I'm like, wow, I really enjoy this. You know, I really like, you know, connecting with a partner like through dance and like, it, it feels really good to me. And I come home and tell my partner, I go, we should go for a dance. You know, perhaps not the same type of dance, perhaps a different dance, but this is something that I didn't know that I really enjoyed. And I would love to experience this with you. And then we go out, we have a good time and they're like, wow, this is so great. You know, we would never have done this if you hadn't done this with someone else and they had taught you. Um, <laughs> so, you know, like, I think that it's a symbiotic relationship, right? Like, I think all the relationships kind of like influence each other in positive and, you know, it can also be negative ways, right? You know, obviously, but uh, for the most part, like it has been like a positive influence on our relationship, I think. I think it's really enhanced our, our love and commitment for each other because you know the more I date other people the more I appreciate my partner for the unique individual that he is <laughs> and I think also sometimes like when the dating world gets frustrating right because I think everyone you know on dating apps sometimes like their breakups sometimes their failures I appreciate his existence so much more because I'm like you know you're here I can count on you I can depend on you we are committed to each other um, and I think that's beautiful. But, um, you know, like, I think that polyamorous love is selfless. I think that it is generous. Like I said earlier, you know, when you love someone, you want the best for them. And it isn't necessarily kind of coming from like, and I must provide that. Because if it came down to the fact that, you know, my partner and I no longer felt any love for each other, uh, which I accept as a possibility, and, you know, we weren't compatible for each other in some way, and he would be happy with someone else, I would love him enough to understand that, you know, I want him to be happy with that someone else rather than like staying with me for my own ego and my own happiness. Um, so I think ultimately it's about kind of like focusing on your love for your partner and also, you know, love for yourself. Do you think it's something that's more prevalent in younger people? I mean, I'm in my 50s and I do know a couple of polyamorous couples, but but it's I think it's a much more difficult leap. Mm. So when people in their 50s come and talk to me about dating, they really get flustered about non-exclusive dating. You know, this idea that you're a butterfly and you can just taste a little bit of pollen here and maybe have a bit of pollen there. You know, I'm <laughs> encouraging people to think a bit outside the box. If you've been married for 25 years and now you're divorced, you don't really know what you want. And people find that difficult. So I'm wondering if you find it's more uh, prevalent in the younger generation or, or maybe that's not the case. There are a couple of factors playing into this, right? So firstly, you know, if you're older, you're more likely to have experiences with monogamy or perhaps you're already in a relationship and you've kind of built that monogamous foundation. And so obviously it's going to be very difficult to change that up, right? To like upend those foundations and, you know, construct something completely new that could be very destabilizing and even traumatizing for some people which is probably a barrier to polyamory for older people um though not impossible you know i do have clients who are coming to it in their 40s 50s even 60s and i think also the younger generation is probably just you know more open-minded generally i think they're more accepting of like queerness they're more accepting of like you know, sexuality and like gender identity and kind of exploration of those things yeah like i, I think it's probably more common um, among the young younger generation for those reasons and they're probably 
like I said, you know, I came into non-monogamy and polyamory with essentially like a very limited experience of monogamy. I was only in that one monogamous relationship for about a year. And so, you know, I was able to start from a clean slate, essentially. Obviously I had a very monogamous upbringing. I have monogamous parents and I have like this like model to me like throughout my life. And like, I do have to break out of that. But for the most part, experience wise, I was quite green. And so it was much easier for me to enter that than, you know, build up the foundation like of, of monogamy and getting used to those patterns and like that kind of mindset and then having to transition to something else. So like, I would say that that, that would probably be the reason why, but I, I don't want to say that like, you know, if you're older, then you can't, <laughs> then you can't practice poly because the, you know, ab- you can absolutely, you know, like copy DM, like you can, you can do that at any point in your life if you feel that is right for you. And also like, I know that I've definitely met people who, um, you know, have had say like a very traditional monogamous marriage for, you know, 20, 30 years, whatever. And then they divorced, they got out of that relationship. And then suddenly they're like single in their, in their, in their forties or whatever. And they're like, you know what, I want to try something different. You know, I've, I've tried that and I enjoyed that, but I want to do something else. You know, perhaps I want to live on my own for a while and just have like multiple lovers. You know, perhaps like I want to have more sexual experiences that I didn't get to have in this marriage or whatever. And so, yeah, if you want to do something different, that's also like a really good route to take. Yeah. So you can come to polyamory in all kinds of ways. And uh, I think that those experiences can be so valuable for so many people. So how would a newbie get started? Let's say I think, because, you know, this idea of, yeah, you know, maybe you've been married a long time or maybe you haven't, but you'd like to have different experiences. How would someone know where to start? I think the first thing to acknowledge is that we do grow up in a monogamous, mononormative society. And there are a lot of things that we have to kind of like do a lot of introspection about to kind of break out of that and to like analyze like our beliefs and whether they still serve us. Right. So I think the first step is to really like sit down with yourself and like get in touch with yourself and think about what your wants and needs and desires are. Like, I think it's responsible to do that for yourself, like before you start involving other people regardless. Right. There's a lot more resources on polyamory non-monogamy than there ever was before. In particular, I've noticed like a significant uptick during the pandemic. I don't know why, (laughs) Um, but I think a lot more people have been open to open relationships uh, since this entire crisis. Maybe it's in the wake of, you know, tragedy and death and dying that people are really looking at their lives and going, you know, is this it? you know, is there something more that I can do with my life? Like, is this really truly serving me? Like, will I live to regret this? And maybe that's why they want to explore this. How can someone find you? What's your website? What's the best way of getting hold of you? I am Polyphilia. My handle is Polyphilia Blog. So that's P-O-L-Y-P-H-I-L-I-A-B-L-O-G. And you can find me uh, mostly on Instagram, but I'm also on TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter. I have a shop uh, where I sell polyamory merchandise. So like um, if you want to get yourself a shirt or a sticker or something like that, um, you can find the links to that on all of my social media and I also offer peer support so essentially like if you want my opinion on like a a situation that you've ended up in as that's something to do with non-monogamy you need my advice on something or you perhaps need pointers on like where to find certain resources about certain things uh, then I can answer your questions and you can book a session with me um, and talk to me about it Uh, that's me so you can find me yeah polyphilia blog on all social media essentially (laughs) great thank you so much it's been fascinating thank you for coming and talking to me thank you for inviting me on this has been a pleasure So I found that really interesting and all sorts of thoughts flashed through my head while we were having this conversation. 
part of it, I think, is I am definitely, definitely stuck on the idea that love, real, genuine love, is about intimacy between two people. And I, I don't care that they're men or women or whatever. But they're two people who live their world together and that if we go elsewhere to find intimacy, emotional intimacy, sexual intimacy, whatever, spiritual intimacy, maybe not quite so much spiritual, but that's another conversation. We're taking away from the relationship, the main relationship. And there's a part of me, a big part of me that still really believes that. And I don't think I would be in any way happy for my person when I have a person, to be emotionally or sexually intimate with anybody else. I would find that incredibly difficult. But I'm very interested in the idea that other people don't feel that way and that it could be a lot of stuff around me and childhood wounds and attachment and a need to be loved or whatever. The other thing I was thinking was the process of falling in love with somebody is an amazing experience. Anyone who's listening to this who's fallen in love it's a drug and it's that first part where all you want to do, you kind of want to eat them up. You want to be with them and smell them and touch them and have endless amounts of sex with them and the birds sing and the sunshine. It's like taking sort of a massive drug high. I mean, you, you are actually, your brain has so much dopamine going through it that if you could bottle it and sell it, you'd be richer than Bill Gates if that's remotely possible. And so why wouldn't you crave more of that? Long-term relationships, you know, inevitably go into another, a completely different place. And that's where the work starts. That's where, oh, hang on a minute. You're not Prince Charming. You're not Rapunzel. You're just, you know, Benny from the butchers. <laughs> and you're just, you know, Ellen who works wherever. You know, you're not this person that's going to come make me feel amazing and great. And so consequently, the thought I had was, is polyamory about trying to continually have that high? Is that lacking a staying power. That's not exactly what Liam said. So I'm really thinking about that. But there's part of me that really, I'm not sure, can we really, truly, deeply, intimately love more than one person? And can we really, truly feel held, seen, heard and committed to if we come back and find our partner screwing someone else in our bed? Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of Later Data. Please subscribe or follow wherever you get your podcasts to hear the next instalment of where my Later Data adventures take me. And if you've enjoyed this, please rate or leave a lovely review. And if you want to find me online, it's easy and not that easy, but I'm at lucylovecoach.co.uk. And while you're there, please follow Aura Studios on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. See you next time. Later, daters. Mm -hmm.